Our first reading from the Bible this morning is from Psalm 139 and it's verses 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And our second reading is from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this God gave them over to shameful lusts Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, 
no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Thanks, Kathy, and uh, thank you for leading us in prayer, Simone. Um, it's a very heavy passage this morning as we continue in our series thinking about what it means to be a flourishing family at Fig Tree. I'm accompanied again by my little uh, leaved companion, and uh, as we see that tree up front, I want us to remember last week how we considered the tree of life. I'm just waiting for my technology to catch up here. And it has. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> uh, in someone last week, we read how uh, we together are like a tree with roots going down into the ground, seeking water. And the water that God describes as best for us is the living water that we can experience through his word and through his wisdom. But the purpose of God's word is to not only show his wisdom and show us who he is, but to let us know that in fact the greatest gift that we have together is him that we have the greatest gift of his very presence amongst us. And that as we consider that tree of life, we're to recall that from the very beginning, God wanted everyone to know his love for us. And so as we think about flourishing as a family tree together, as his family, uh, we're to consider how his purpose for us doing life together and the flourishing that we might have is based on the very fact that he is with us. That we are his precious adopted children. That we can grow in maturity as we grow in faithfulness. That we have the blessing of adventure in sharing the love of the Lord Jesus with others. And that he wants us to live with compassion in our community. Now, the book on which this series is based is the Bible. But we're taking wisdom from other sources, uh, from followers of the Lord Jesus, and uh, amongst those include Kamal and Patricia Wirakun, who wrote with Rob Smith the book, The Gender Revolution. Now, last week I offered you copies of this book at the wonderful price of $20 to share and read along as a companion to this series, and all the eight o'clockers had got in there first and bought the lot. So we've reordered, and we've now got a whole pile of these books out back. And um, if you want a copy of this, which I really encourage you to have, um, you can grab one after the service. I believe it to be what it describes itself to be on the cover, a biblical, biological, and compassionate book to help us think about the context, as we saw last week, of the Bible and biology to enable us to flourish together from the roots. So as we consider the anatomy of our family tree, last week we looked at righteous, realistic roots. 
That is that the soil for God's flourishing family at Fig Tree is both his word in the Bible, his special revelation, and what he's communicated to us through creation by way of the biology of the world. That is his general revelation. Today we're considering what it means for us to be uh, not just flourishing as a fig tree family, but also the challenge of being tempted, twisted roots. By nature and unnaturally, we are tempted because creation has been twisted by sin. And so my hope and prayer is that the Lord will be with us and teach us by the power of His Spirit. I'm going to ask us to pray together that He might do that, and I'm encouraging us to bow our heads and talk to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for the privilege of being able to think Your thoughts after You, to speak Your words after You, and to have our attitudes and affections and actions shaped by your Spirit, who is the same Spirit who had perfect relationship with your Son Jesus as he was in this world, and the Spirit who enables us to every day walk a little more and talk a little more like him. We long, Father God, for us individually and together to bring honour to your family name, to commend the Lord Jesus in what we think and pray and say and do. We've got a really tough passage to look at here together. So how we pray that your spirit would help us be our guide and our teacher and that we would grow in faith and obedience for the glory of your name. Amen. When I say we've got a really tricky passage, I, I think Psalm 139 is a really great calibration for us for an enormous encouragement because we're going to begin by looking at what it means to be trunks. Now, of course, words in context are so important. If I were to use the word trunk, um, the first thing that might have come to your mind would have been perhaps the mighty trunk of the mighty elephant. It might have been perhaps the chest uh, that grandmother used to keep in the corner of the attic. Uh, it might, if you've had some connection with the United States of America, refer to the boot of your car. But no, for today, it refers to the trunk of a tree. How the water drawn from the roots gives a stable core to our fig tree family tree. Because if biology and Bible are the roots, then the trunk is the visible, overground expression, the community of the Lord's people as seen to a watching world. And it's so important that we get a calibration according to the Word of God and the good order of God. When it comes to identity and image, as I shared last week, there's a lot of confusion in our world. But fundamentally, whilst we are made by God, we are not like the other creatures. We are not just creatures. We have the profound dignity of having been made in the image of God. Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, male and female. He created them. We bear the image of God himself. Men and women, girls and boys are different. But Bible and biology are consistent in describing our nature and our purpose. For God has knitted us together in our mother's wombs. And we have the opportunity in our very being to praise him through the way in which we have been made. 
remarkably and wonderfully. You may remember when you were at preschool, for some of us, this may be going back a little while. It seems to me that it's almost the price of entry to at some point in your preschool experience to imagine yourself as a tree. Did you have to go through that? I mean, I'm not gonna do it all for you, but do you remember at one point, or maybe you've had it with your kids or your, your kids' kids, that at some point they've been encouraged to be a little seed in the ground. And then they go through the process of becoming the shoots. And then of course, eventually they awaken up to have thick trunks and broad branches and, the, and they become trees grown in maturity. This is the reality. It's a lovely metaphor of growth in every individual that this tree trunk emerges from biblical and biological roots and indeed that there is amongst boys and girls a point of distinction. For God, as we saw, has made them male and female. And whilst they may grow together side by side, there is difference. And this difference is established in the womb. Either a child is encoded XX in their chromosomes and they will become an adult female, having been a little girl. Or a child is encoded in their chromosomes XY and a little boy will become an adult male. There are, because we live in a broken world, rare occasions on which someone may fall between the cracks. And that's a difficult and challenging and complicated matter. But for the most part, children who go through puberty will come out either as a man or a woman. And the wonderful story for us as the Lord's people is that God celebrates difference. In fact, God celebrates all diversity and rejoices in our unity when we come under his word and rejoice to be part of the body of Christ. God forms us according to his good design with good purposes in mind. And his ultimate purpose for every person is to gather us in unity through faith in his son Jesus, even though we are diverse. So for some of us, it may be singleness, perhaps for a lifetime. But for others of us, a man and a woman may come together and fall for one another in such a way that there will be a new family for a new season with the right place to express desire and romance until they come together. And this is, of course, in fulfillment of God's command to be fruitful and increase and, and fill the earth. And indeed, it affirms what the Lord Jesus himself said about the rightfulness of a one flesh union in marriage. But... Our growth is influenced by environmental factors. Like sun and wind and rain impacting upon the tree. Likewise, in our lives, external factors lead us to grow into branches that can look quite different from one another as we emerge from the trunk. The form and the foliage can be as distinct from one another as fingerprints. And this plays out in our tendencies to particular preferences and behaviors. We see it in little children. 
when they play. Very often the boys like the trucks and the girls like the dolls, but not universally so. But there are times in which some of those distinctions come about in a way that we can describe, and this is my second point, as twisted. The words that people say and the games that people play can shape us unexpectedly. And this is because people have been twisted from the very beginning. The moment that our forebears, Adam and Eve, denied the goodness of the word of God, that twistedness, the effects of what the Bible calls sin, has continued from generation to generation. And their lack of faith in God has caused the natural order of things to become twisted by this sin. I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to be quite black and white and primitive in my thinking about the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. Sometimes I can think to myself, silly Adam, silly Eve. But of course, it's far more complicated than that. It's a very excellent trilogy of books uh, called the Space Trilogy. I don't know if you know C.S. Lewis, the author, theologian, and, and, and writer of this book. Um, three books, and in the middle, there's one called Perilandra. The premise of the book is that on another planet far, far away, a similar situation to Eden took place. And he describes the slow, insidious corruption that took place through the work of the devil through an agent to corrupt the queen of that land. And it gives us as a book a great insight, I think, into God's goodness and the devil's deceit. In fact, in one section, C.S. Lewis describes the conversation between the man, Ransom, who is an advocate for good, and the queen. He made one law of that kind in order that there might be obedience. In all these other matters that you call obeying him is but doing what seems good in your eyes also. Is love content with that? You do them indeed because they are his will, but not only because they are his will. Where can you taste the joy of obeying unless he bids you to do something for which his bidding is the only reason? Whatever you do, he will make good of it, but not the good he had prepared for you if you had obeyed him. In other words, because God is God and God is good, the simple joy in obedience can flow. Not because we think it's good and right, but simply because we trust him and trust his promises. And even when we get it wrong and twist and distort those good things, he may very well bring good out of it, just not perhaps the greater good that he had intended. I really encourage you to read Paralandra if you've not done so already. The thing about this corruption that thankfully doesn't, oh, I don't want to give the game away, just in case. (laughs) It's not the same story as we read in the Bible, Say, say that much. But the outcome for what happened in our world is that twisted thinking and disordered doing has continued ever since. And the effect of that is that we've moved from intimacy with God to idolatry. You see, being twisted means denying God. 
He has revealed his glory in the world. He has given us good conscience. He has set eternity in our hearts. And he is God. But we, humanity, do not honor him. People do not thank him. And that's not right. We prefer to do things so often not God's way. And that is falling short of the glory of God. And progressively... Humanity has found ways of doing evil such that the fullness of his goodness and the glass has now become increasingly empty. Being twisted means we do and find ways of doing evil against God, very often because we submit to the base effects of the amygdala in the brain, the creaturely animalistic part that just responds with the instincts and the emotions, robbing us of the dignity that he gives us in the higher functions. And specifically, we can twist our natural inclinations into unnatural responses. And as we begin to do that, not only do we move from intimacy with God to idolatry, but we move into a place where we sit under his wrath and judgment. These words from Romans 1, which say God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, are words that we can find hard to hear. We move from God as the one who determines what is best to our own view. We create idols, other gods, and we displace God and his good word. And particularly, we do this in the realm of morality. And particularly, we do this in the realm of sexual morality. God's word calls us to remain single and not to engage in sex with one another at all. Or, God calls us, a man and a woman as adults, to enjoy that process of romantic love and courtship and agreeing, I think appropriately, in consultation with parents to come together to create a new family in the union of marriage, a prayerful plan to be joined as husband and wife in unity and in fidelity until death or Jesus returns. This is God's good and natural order, singleness or marriage. But it's not a perfect order, is it? Because the twisted effects of sin mean that we experience brokenness. And you and I know people who have had the pain and the grief of losing a spouse. The hole that is left and by God's grace, sometimes growing around that hole, but the hole is never gone. The brokenness that sometimes can lead to separation in a marriage or even a divorce. But in all of this, so often we put our own ideals or ourselves in the place of God's good design for us and come up with what we think are better ways of doing things. And especially in the area of unnatural attraction, affection, and activity, which are not God's good design. 
For we do read in the Scriptures that God delivers us over to the desires of our hearts, to sexual impurity, so that our bodies are degraded among themselves, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And men in the same way also left their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. They committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for their error. This is one way of doing evil according to the Bible, the Word of God, and in a way that twists biology. A man with a man and a woman with a woman. And I know that this is a hard word. And I know that this is a real lived experience for some of our loved ones and perhaps even for some of us. But an LGB lifestyle, lesbian, gay, bisexual, is not God's natural order for people. And here it is described as shameless. And it is a hard teaching. But it is true. And God gives people over to these lifestyles. There is a disconnect between the natural biology and the roots, such that sexual orientation and gendered behavior are now isolated from how God has ordered things naturally. Now, just before any one of us might be able to look at another and say, I told you so, or there you go. How important it is to remember that each of us must say, there but for the grace of God go I. Because the truth is that immorality affects everyone. Creation is fully corrupted, and in our attraction, in our affection, in our actions, one area in which this is very clear is sexual orientation and expression. God's natural order is for all men and all women to put him in first place. And this is expressed by trusting his son Jesus for forgiveness and for a future. And so when it comes to these matters of sexuality, what I am not saying and let me be clear, what I am not saying is that same-sex attraction is a sin. There are some people for whom same-sex attraction simply is. But what I am saying is that inflaming that attraction into affection or lust, and then allowing that affection to become action with another is sin. Just as inflaming an attraction to an infection or a lust for a person of the opposite sex, such that we move into that and act on it, is a sin. And this is where we get the great leveler amongst us, lest we judge. That my third and final point, all of us attempted. Because you heard the list read, right? From Romans 1. 
Because when I read that list and I apply it to myself, unrighteous, evil, greedy, wicked, full of envy, murderous, quarreling, deceitful, malicious, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, proud, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful, which among us has not been represented on that list? We're all in the same boat. We've all been tempted, and we've all acted in sin, whether it's at some point in life or just back over the last week, right? We're all tempted to sin. Every single one of us is tempted, but only one of us resisted to the point of sinlessness, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has God-given authority to say to our affections or lusts, those betray your hearts. Those betray your godless hearts as much as words and actions because God sees us. And so we move on, thank God, to chapter 2 in Romans, in which verse 1 it says, Therefore, every one of you who judges, you're without excuse, because if you judge somebody else, you condemn yourself, because you do the same things. Temptation is the great leveler. All of our, tongues are uh, our trunks are twisted, all of us are tempted, and none of us is immune. And for some, it is the temptation of adultery beyond marriage. And for some, it is denying intimacy in the context of marriage. And for some, it is to have sex, but being unmarried. And for some, it is to be same-sex attracted and affected and acting upon that. And so why is it that we have all this focus on sexuality? Why is it that when our friends and neighbors say, you seem so preoccupied as the church about sexuality, can't you just get over it and get on with life? What do we say? Well, it's because our bodies are so important and precious to the Lord Jesus. It's because sexual immorality holds a precious place because it is a unique form of intimacy. For we are the people in whom the Holy Spirit of God dwells. His Spirit lives in us and He treasures our bodies as His very temple. And so you and I, brothers and sisters, who trust in Jesus, we belong to Jesus. And He's the one who wants your body. And He's the one who wants you. And He's the one who laid down His body and His life for you, for your sins. Not one of us can stand before God but Jesus stands for you if you will ask him. Judgment belongs to Jesus. Verses 2 and 3 in Romans 2 say, Now we know that judgment on those who do such things is based on truth. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same will escape God's judgment? I mean, let me share a personal example if I may. Uh, my name's Robin, it's nice to meet you. I'm here in 2023. But once upon a time, there was another Robin who was there in 1998, that's 25 years ago. And that Robin smoked. Can you imagine? And that Robin swore. And that Robin drank too much and took drugs and lied and was promiscuous. Now, just imagine Robin today. 
very different man to Robin in 1998. I still wrestle with lying. I wrestle with gossiping. I wrestle with speaking harshly. In fact, I wrestle with a whole bunch of other things that are far less evident on the outside. But, and my heart, I must say, often wanders from God, just like you, and I must repent. But, but can you imagine for a moment a 2023 Robin looking at 1998 Robin and saying to him, I judge you, you evil man. Look at you. Look at all the wrong things that you do. I mean, whether I said that out loud or in my heart, that's not kind. What I really hope I might say to Robin of 1998 is what a beautiful, gracious follower the Lord Jesus said to him, which was, you need to meet Jesus. Jesus forgives you. And he wants you just as you are. And he will take you, and he will save you, and he will change you, and you're not going to be the man that you are today. But he won't affirm you in much of what you think and say and do, but he wants you, and he loves you, and he'll have you. But you must repent. See, we go back to the roots and we repent. Do not despise, verse 4 of chapter 2, the riches of God's kindness and restraint and patience, which are intended to lead you to what? Repentance. To say sorry to God. To say thank you to God for sending Jesus. To say, please God, help me by your spirit to be a new man or woman who looks increasingly like Jesus, your son. For the hardened, unrepentant heart, there is a day of wrath that is coming. But God will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who persist in good, the greatest good, having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory and honor and immortality. But for those who continue on in unrepentance, there will be judgment. Brothers and sisters, let us repent. Let us seek forgiveness for God's sin. Already we've had a confession in prayer together led by Simone. But there may be some deep, dark centers of our hearts in which we as a fig tree family, in order to flourish, will need to repent to God such that he will take these twisted trunks and begin to straighten them out, that his grace might flow from the roots through the trunk and into our branches, that we might show his glory and bloom and flourish to a watching world who will want to know more about his love to us in Jesus. Jesus will forgive our sins if we only ask him. In fact, the wonderful example of him rocking up to the woman at the well, and here he met this lady, the Lord Jesus, met this woman who had given her body over to a man again, and a new man again, and different men again, and again, and again. And what he said to her was, if you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. And what happened to her? She met the Lord Jesus, she drank from the well of living water, and she was refreshed and renewed, and she shared the love of Jesus abroad. Come to Jesus, brothers and sisters. Are your roots deep in the living water that is Jesus? What is it that you need to bring to him afresh? Come to Jesus, because he is living water. We're gonna take some time 
with God in the quietness of our hearts now as we come to the one who can give us living water and spiritual refreshment. For, for some of us, there may be things that have been deeply heartfelt here. Give them to the Lord. For some of us, perhaps, it's going to be a matter of needing to talk to a friend or a loved one or, or, or maybe to, to speak to somebody afterwards. We, we have professional counselors. We have a, a, um, Steve and Maria who will be down the back uh, who will be able to be with you and pray and listen and, and walk with you. Members of the ministry team, of course, are always available. May the Lord allow his grace to flow. Let me pray and then we'll hear together. Our Father God, thank you for your word which is living and active, discerns the meditations of the mind and the affections of the heart so that everything is laid bare before you. Father, you know that for each and every one of us there are, who knows the love of the Lord Jesus, there's a deep thanksgiving and a deep joy in knowing his love for us. But for some of us, Lord, there are things that are embedded deep within us that we need to release into your hands. So as we hear the words of this song and as we spend time with you in the quietness of our hearts, please, we ask, Holy Spirit, have your way with us. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Thank you. This goes out to every outcast, to the just don't quite fit in. Every wrong way, runaway rebel, so ashamed of where you've been. This goes out to every searcher, trying to fill that empty space. Well, your searching days are over now, everything's about to change. Come and join the Jesus people.
This is where your heart belongs.